The Provoke Podcast, brought to you by Provoke Media and produced by the international broadcast specialist, Marketeers. Hello everyone and welcome to the Provoke Media Podcast. I'm Maya Pavinska-Sims, the EMEA editor at Provoke, and I'm joined by our editor-in-chief, Arun Sudarman, um, in Bangalore. I'm in London and um, we've got plenty to talk about today. Um, Arun, hello. Hello, Maya. I hope you're well. Um, I don't know what you might be referring to. There's (laughs) not such a slow news week. Well, it was a snow. It was a slow news week until Thursday, and then it stopped last week, and then it stopped being a snow news week because we had the enormous news that um, WPP has decided to merge Burst and Conan Wolf BCW with Hill and Knowlton. Um, moments after Hill and Knowlton strategies dropped the strategies and returned to its ampersand, so it feels like that was a an interesting timing on the rebranding. And then, um, yeah, that's the hugest hugest news we've had for a while creating creating what we think is probably the world's biggest PR agency at uh, around about a billion dollars so certainly up there with Edelman if not bigger than what was your reaction to the news yeah I think well first I think it is it will be bigger than Edelman I think um, when it happens uh, although I'm sure uh, Richard does not plan on on letting that state of affairs lasts for long um my my reaction well it's weird isn't it i don't know are we allowed to say that we received the news under embargo um i think i think that would be expected (laughs) well we have said it now um so obviously we knew about it for i think around 24 hours maybe or for me anyway i knew about it kind of the whole day and it broke you know it broke at I think it was around 6.30 p.m. where I am. And it was just really strange because on the one hand, it's, you know, it's it's always a surprise, I think, when when agencies um, of, of this uh, size are merged. Um, and, but then part of you, I think, is kind of, well, of course they're going to merge because, you know, somehow it seems almost inevitable. Um Aww. But then it was just like waiting for this, I don't know, this kind of tsunami to hit because you're just kind of thinking it's, you know, no one knows about it. You can't talk to anyone about it. Um, and then when the news did hit, my gosh, I don't think I've ever seen um, a, a reaction like that. And, you know, I think we're always, there's the risk of hyperbole. Um, but it, this is certainly the biggest merger in PR history. I don't know if it's if it's the the biggest ever story or anything like that, but it's it's one of them. Yeah, it was um my my WhatsApp completely <laughs> completely blew up, and then it was it sort of became clear that internally that hadn't necessarily been announced until after the news was out. So that was you know there was a bit of a, an hour or so of kind of confusion. I did speak to. Uh, I, I think there's lots of aspects of this we need to discuss. The first is the first that came to mind for most people is the people question, right? Because there's there's overlap and WPP. Um, I spoke to Mark Reed last week. Typically vague on redundancies. The statement is um, the statement they gave us is not doesn't really say very much. Doesn't um, rule them out though. Does not rule redundancies no. out. I can't see how they there won't be given the overlap in 
um, disciplines and focus of both firms. Yeah, and geographies. Um, and geographies. And I did speak to one person last week who said that a recruiter had called her saying she'd never – the phone had been ringing off the hook. Wow. From, it's like uh, the 90s, isn't it? The phone's ringing off the hook. <laughs> Is that a thing anymore? Do kids even understand what off the hook means? I don't know, but they should. We're bringing it back. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's – I mean, I think – they they don't you know nowadays with with these kinds of stories and you will have noticed this as well they don't actually tell people internally do they um they you know they wait and you know they, the the public and uh, internal announcement is often at the same time i think um there were leaders at both firms who knew uh from what i understand um people found out a few days before the kind of the sort of top global leadership i don't know how how many kind of layers down um job losses i mean wpp has merged uh, lots of agencies over the last couple of years under under mark reed um he he described it as a disorganized mess i think when he took when he succeeded sir martin sorrell um and <laughs> A little bit of shade there <laughs> a little bit <laughs> a little bit um and you know the rationale for all of those mergers has been you know to use that awful word efficiencies um so i think as as sad as it is there are going to be job losses the analysts who um you know when they were responding to the, the previous merger which was the vml one which was you know huge some orders of magnitude bigger than this one um you know one of the major things they focused on was was on the kind of the fact that there were there would be a lot of jobs lost and efficiencies and consolidation all that kind of stuff you know markets love it so yeah it is it's it's a tough one for for all of the people involved because there isn't a lot of clarity at the moment um WPP made the announcement it appears to coincide with their capital markets day which is this week mm. um and i think that meant that perhaps they went out maybe before they had figured out all of the details yeah i don't think they have figured out all the details i think i think the apart from kind of broader redundancies across kind of um overlapping teams i think the interesting thing will be to see which of the two agency leaderships comes out on top in terms of regional and country leadership mm. who's your money on maya my money's on my money's on Scott Wilson at VCW for EMEA of, of Burson. I mean, I think that feels kind of logical. Um, I think, but then um, why does that given the name of yeah, given the name of the of the of the agency and the fact that um, BCW is, you know, maybe twice as big as Hill and Knowlton, um, I think H and Kers could be forgiven um, for feeling you know, under threat and, and particularly with these regional roles where it's unlikely they'll have two regional leaders. I know they say they're going to keep the H and K brand. Um but will 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 they have, you know, will he, will H and K will the H and K brand have the same kind, you know, numbers of leaders? Unlikely. So I think um yeah, if if you're an H and K senior exec, you're gonna be feeling, I think more uncertain um but 
as we saw from from the BCW and Conan Wolf merge, and and to be honest, I think it was it was pretty much all Conan Wolf people, wasn't it? In that case, um, but still, there were some Burson people who who remained and and kind of um, in senior positions and and have done well. So it's not it's you know they they will. What is that phrase? The Hunger Games. They will look to to <laughs> to, um, oh my to gosh. keep the best people and appoint the best people. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think I think the smart money, as sad as it sounds, will be on will be on um, BCW leadership. Yeah, I agree with you. It's it's interesting how often the phrase Hunger Games has come up. I know. In the past, well, I only just days. watched it the other day, actually. So it's it's really relevant yeah. for me. <laughs> it's, I mean, hopefully it won't be that brutal, and it will be more civilized. But yeah, it's, there's going to be some territorial um, points of interest, I think, coming up. I think <laughs> yeah. the other the other thing I'm just going to leave it there. The other thing that I think has had the biggest response other than what the hell's going to happen to all the people is um the name of course mm. welcome back harold burson yeah yeah that's great uh, which is great. lovely yeah which is lovely everyone's happy about that that's just brilliant no more alphabet soup we have an actual bit of legacy and of course harold's legacy is really associated with that kind of integrity and I don't know. So it just feels like a, it's just like they've bought a human name back instead of a load of letters, which is just delightful. Actually, I know. it's um, it's, it's it's almost disruptive, isn't it? Um, <laughs> it's it's. I mean, we, we could perhaps call it a masterstroke. I think what it's also done um, because you know Harold Burson is, you know, really is a giant in an in an industry that doesn't, I think, produce many giants, um, and you can't really find anyone who who had. Um, or has a bad word to say about Harold. He kind of, you know, embodies, I think, in, in a way, all that was good about the public relations industry. Um, yeah. And so bringing the name back was brilliant. I think it's also distracted people mm. to a certain extent from, you know, the many challenges uh, and risks that a merger like this will face. Um, but, you know, that's also part of the of the game here, isn't it? It's it, In that respect, I think it was very clever. It's really clever. Can I talk about the LinkedIn thing, though, that I, that I noticed Oh, Burson Person. The hashtag Burson Person. Yeah. On yeah. message. Yeah, there are so many LinkedIn posts from people at BCW and H&K. Do you think a, a directive went out? I think there might have been a three-line whip. Oh, on, wow. On using the it's like a political campaign on the, on the socials well, it's good, and everyone's yeah. posting pictures of themselves with Harold where they have them. And it just feels a bit, yeah. yeah. It's, I mean, it's really sweet. It's really sweet, but it's, it's like, Oh, this is an actual campaign. Yeah. I mean, I think we can all agree. You can probably never have too much, um, of Harold. Uh, but you don't, if, if it is a campaign, I don't know if it is, but you don't want it to look too obvious, I suppose. No. Um, I don't know. Maybe maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Um but yeah, the the person person hashtag I think probably is is a, is a deliberate move because it it's it speaks to something you know bigger than just the agency, right? Person is a sort of integral um building block of the industry and so many people have worked at Person. 
Um, yeah, so. over the over the years, it's I, I it's it's very unifying. I do think master strokes not not too bad a thing to say. Um, the 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 thing that came up in the statements and in my chat with Mark and in lots of comments from from our industry pundits on and off the record was the big AI question, which I don't. Which is really interesting because actually, if this has happened two years ago, that literally would not have been mentioned. No, but no, it seems to be no. that kind of the point that it's all about having uh, been able to invest at scale in industry leading and possibly transforming AI and other tech tools. I thought was a really interesting that could only be part of a twenty twenty four agency merging i think the impact of the impact of ai on the industry is kind of becoming much clearer but i thought that was quite an interesting kind of rationale um for the for the deal yeah it is i think and it's consistent with everything mark reed has said and done during his wpp tenure um i don't think we've seen uh the results of that yet yet and in fact actually it's funny that i think was it the day after that Publicis announced it was investing 326 million um, in AI? Oh. Uh, and, you know, it, the market seems to think that Publicis is, has got to grips with, with this technology uh, much more clearly and much more kind of readily, I think, than other holding groups. Yeah. Um, but even at Publicis, I would, I'd probably say, certainly from a PR perspective, you know, it's it's just the tip of the iceberg. I don't think we've really seen anything so far, and it's unclear. I I, I agree. You know, your your questions to Mark, I thought were, were really um, were well judged because I, I think the point that having bigger scale means that you can you know adopt te- technology is is a good one. Um, it hasn't always worked that way. I think in the PR industry. Um, but in, in theory, at least, it makes sense. Um, but the other point, which, and I think Mark alluded to this as well, um, is that the the sort of onset of AI will will disrupt agencies, and, and it will probably disrupt bigger agencies more than smaller agencies, if you think about it. The, mm-hmm. the big pyramid-shaped agencies, I think, are more at risk from having their model reshaped compared to... Yeah you know, senior heavy uh, mid-size or boutique firms. Um, yes. So yes, AI, big opportunity, but I think also quite a significant risk for the big networks. It, it is a big risk. And there's like, we can we could talk about AI till the cows come home, but I think you're, you're, um, that you're I'm just bringing back all the old phrases now because I'm ancient. <laughs> but um, uh, I think the, I think you're right. We haven't actually I know everyone's playing with it. We haven't actually seen the impact hit home yet. Mm. So, you know, this is kind of, you know, maybe part of laying the stage for next. I'm interested to see what you think about um, what the what the reaction or what the move will be, not necessarily in reaction to this, but going forward from A, Edelman, mm. and B, the other holding companies. Um, yeah, very interesting, isn't it? Um, because, you know, it's first of all, it's the only thing, people are talking about. I'm sure it's the same for you, right? Every conversation you've had since the news broke, um, this is the first thing that people are bringing up. Um, Well, let's see. Let's start. So Edelman, 
I mean, Richard will say uh, that it's not about being the biggest, it's about being the best. Um, but I think he'll be very focused on reclaiming the number one spot. And judging by Edelman's track record of growth, you know, it has outgrown publicly held firms quite consistently over the last 15, 20 years. Um, I wouldn't bet against Edelman uh, reclaiming that top spot um, within the next few years, actually. In terms of the other holding groups, that's, you know, it's very interesting. Omnicom mm. has, you know, and Chris Foster gave us his comment in our industry reaction piece. And he was, you know, he he, he made it pretty clear that they, they support individual brands. Omnicom's always made that a sort of central part of its... Um, of its uh, ethos, um, but even at Omnicom, as you, as we both know, there has been consolidation amongst its PR brands in specific markets. You know, yeah. people are always asking about Porta Novelli. Uh, I don't want Porta Novelli to feel like it's catching strays here, but um, you know, the, it will be interesting to see how it how it impacts the big networks. Um, uh, at Omnicom, at Interpublic, I think Weber, Shandwick, and Golan have, um, I suppose, been a little bit insulated because their financial returns have been quite good. Uh, yeah. But they have integrated agencies underneath them, right? So you have the Weber Shanwick Collective, and then under uh, Golan has, has taken on a few agencies as well. Um, De DeVries, for example, that reports into Golan. Yeah. Uh, so this kind of dual agency structure within the holding groups, maybe that's where it's going to end up. I mean, Publicis, weirdly enough, actually adopted this. It almost seemed by accident um, six or seven years ago. And now it looks, you know, kind of eerily prescient almost. Yes. Well, uh, the, the the Europeans are quietly just kind of getting ahead of the game <laughs> on many fronts. I think the Omnicom question is, um, is the most pertinent one, actually, mm. uh, out of the others, because yes, the dual the dual brand is um, important. First of all, we've got conflict shops. Uh, is you would think you know, that's a necessary thing. You would think. Uh, you would think. Yeah. Um, I think. I think. And again, I don't want to be like licking at you, Portnavelli, but um, I I think there has been a question mark over kind of the strength of the kind of identity of mm. uh, of that part of the group, and it's kind of the smaller. Um, but it's like a mid-size in its own right, really. But it's not up there with Ketchum and Fleischmann by any means. So no. I think I think that will be really interesting. But Chris is very – Chris Foster is very comms first. I mean, he really believes in his PR agency. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, you, you know, uh, uniquely, I think, out of the holding group. Yeah, um, great point. The marketing holding group leadership. I think Chris gets PR and is Ooh. close to his PR agencies in a way that maybe the leadership of – WPP and IPG um, not, aren't so much. No, no, I think it's a really um, good point. You know, he, you know, they, they don't have a Chris Foster analog, really, at, at the other groups. Um, Interpublic did uh, when when Andy Polanski was there and Harris Diamond yeah. before him, but they don't have that that um, anymore. So, uh, yeah, I think it's a really good point. Yeah, well, we shall see. We'll be watching with interest. Uh, no doubt this will end up being the biggest uh, or one of the biggest stories of the year. Yeah, so just... Uh, you're 
Yeah, it, it will, <laughs> I think. I, I want, so I wanted to say just one more thing, because it was actually related to your interview with Mark Reed, which I thought was really interesting in terms of what, what he said, what he didn't say. Also, what he said in response to, to questions that weren't asked. So he said yeah. twice that it wasn't any, that the merger wasn't, you know, influenced at all by the performance of the two agencies. Yeah, um, he did. Which is maybe telling, maybe not. But, you know, I think why now is always a really good question. Um, yes. And, and the general view is always, if a business is doing well, if it's returning great margins, it's publicly held companies, then there's really no need to mess around with it necessarily. Um, so, and, and, you know, we know that, I mean, Hill and Knowlton in particular, the last what are we going to say? The last two decades have not been especially kind to Hill and Knowlton outside EMEA. Um, yes, where, and they're super strong in EMEA, as yeah. you said in your brilliant analysis yesterday. it's um, They are super strong in EMEA. I mean, they're a real powerhouse. We've yeah. given them a million awards in EMEA yeah. and, and the UK. Yeah. Uh, and they are genuinely, like, they really stand out. And when you see, you know, I think I think from the outsider's point of view, it's a bit like, why why does Provoke keep giving Hill not an awards in, in this region? Yeah, and actually, it's weird. When, when you, <laughs> I mean, it seems <laughs> weird, doesn't it? Yeah. It does seem weird, but then when you go in, because yeah. I was a bit cynical, and then last year, last year I think Paul and I swapped the agencies we normally talk to for our agency of the year meetings, and I did H and K for the first time, and I sat down with the team from UK, Middle East, and Continental Europe, mm. and I was kind of blown away. I mean, they they're really really solid in this region and doing incredible, outstanding work. Clearly. Uh, in terms of the network, a lot of initiatives come out of Amir, which I know is true at Omnicom as well. Um, and yeah. it's the engine. Yeah, it's, it's the engine for the whole. It has yeah, been it's really for, for some time. And I think, I mean, it, it, it's the biggest, pretty sure it's the biggest PR agency in EMEA. Um And, you know, there's a reason for that. I think they've, they've been really successful in EMEA. I think um, Anna Maria de Salva, who, you know, came in four years ago as... CEO has turned around um, mm. the US to quite a significant extent. And that had, had always been the biggest challenge for Hill and Knowlton for many years from, from, you know, they were the biggest PR agency in the world at one point. Um, it was them and Burson, one and two for, for a very long time. Um, but North, not North America, because they've, they've always been good in Canada, but the US um, became such a problem. Uh, and I think she has... She has stabilized and turned it around. Um, but yes, I think it's always worth asking why, you know, why were the, why were these brands um, merged now? And I think the other thing we, we should probably say is um, it's really sad to lose the Hill and Knowlton brand. And, you know, I know that, that um, as per the announcement, it will, it will kind of remain as a, as an advisory unit, I think, focusing on public affairs and corporate. Um, yeah. But it's not the same as, as being a, a standalone business. No, it's, it's really not the same. Yeah. I, I agree, Anna Marie's done an outstanding job. I thought the, um, a, apart from the unbidden, maybe protesteth too much stuff about it not being about performance that, yeah. that Mark Reed was, was telling me, I thought the other thing that he underlined and that has come through loud and clear is the impact of Corey on that, uh, not just on BCW, but on probably on the wider business. I mean, he's he's clearly seen as a, 
as an incredibly strong and professional leader now he's kind of come yeah. in from this in-house career to, to agency so that that's been kind of pointed out by everybody yeah um, no he's I mean he's and he's actually another person um, about whom you know everyone is is very positive and certainly in our dealings with him um, you know he's always been uh, extremely solid uh, mm. but also this is his you know his first agency um, CEO role, uh, and it's it's now the biggest, um, certainly for a, for a single brand agency. Um, yeah, it's quite a, quite a big job. Yeah, it's a big job, and I mean, and you know, similar to Anna Maria, although she, you know she was taking over Hill and Knowlton, much smaller. She hadn't had uh, an agency CEO role either um, beforehand, so they're both. They're both relatively new. Um, you um, know, some people would say that's an obstacle. Uh, maybe not. Maybe it's good to, to come from, from outside. We, we will see. Uh, one of the things Mark Reed said is you judge it in one year and five years, which I thought was very interesting because everyone wants to judge it now, of course. You know, yeah. there's, there's a lot of instant um, hot takes. Uh, but I think that's correct. I think you, you have to judge it in, in one year and five years. Um, I think we should... I feel like there should be a little bit more sadness about losing Hill and Knowlton. Maybe it's there, but I think um, because there's so much delight about the return of Burson, um, perhaps it's being drowned out a little bit. Yeah. Uh, and it is a shame. I think it's always a shame, actually, to lose brands. I don't... Um, and, you know, we've... This has always been, I think, one of the the sort of brick bats when it comes to holding groups is that the the brands do become dispensable um, and and brands are not just brands, are they? They're they're like a, an embodiment of of a of business culture. Absolutely. Uh, and I think that's such an important point because even with the rise of AI, you know, this is this is a business in which the the, the primary asset is people. Um, and as 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 we've discussed so often, right? You know, culture has become such an important differentiator as as kind of particularly big agencies as they become more generic. Mm. It's huge. The whole, the cultural issue, I think, is going to be very interesting to see how that plays out because it was it was quite effortful, I think, with the Versa Marstella and Conan Wolf yeah, merger. I mean, that was very much sassy Conan Wolf yeah. and incredibly grown up Versa Marstella. Mm-hmm. And it's, they, I mean, they do. I do think again. I think they've done better in Amir probably, and and quicker. To, to, it does feel like BCW kind of existed as a thing rather than a mashup eventually, which took a yeah. you know. Took a I think North years. America was 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 the hardest for for oh. that merger, which you I I suppose expect because it had the most people. Um, yeah, in Amir and Asia Pacific, I think it, it quite quickly became a sort of BCW thing. But I think it's always helped when you have that kind of leadership and unity of purpose from one brand. In, in this case, it was yeah. Conan Wolf. In in the analysis I wrote, I, I went all the way back to um, 2001, was it, when Weber and Chandwick and BSMG came together, um, gosh, yes. which was also a successful merger. And I think one of the big reasons for that is because the leadership was largely BSMG. Yeah. Um, so you have that kind of team that have worked together. That's really helpful. Um, and so it'll be very interesting to see how that kind of plays out here, what it means. I think we have 
much stronger cultures in this in this case um, yeah, compared to the other mergers we've we've mentioned. Um, so I think it, it it may be more challenging on that front, or you know maybe they will mesh better than than um, than might be expected. Yeah, well, hopefully not too much of the Hunger Games stuff going, <laughs> going on. Well, I don't know. It'd be I some just, interesting stories. So <laughs> that twenty that Weber merger, like mm. that twenty two thousand and one. So I was on PR Week back in the wow. day. So I remember that was that the glory having, era, as we, as we the glory <laughs> era. This this is my second glory era, obviously. Arun, that was twenty three years ago. How was yeah, that? Poor. So I was. So Paul Holmes, our dear dear leader, is away on sabbatical this month. It made me wonder if they timed the merger to coincide with with, <laughs> uh, with, with him being away. Because I think Paul's, um, when he does get back and when he starts writing about it, I think we can expect a few caustic articles um, about yes. holding groups. Um, but <laughs> I spoke to Paul over the weekend and he actually brought up a merger of Hill and Knowlton and an agent, agency called Carl B- Bior Associates. I don't even know how to pronounce it. Bior Associates um, oh, in, yes. I think, 1986, maybe. And they were second and third in the world at that point. Gosh. Yeah. So... Um, wow. Well, I was I was a literal child, as were you. So yeah. we, we, we can be forgiven for not like having a massive handle on that one. I know. Yeah, yeah. I was not not fully up to speed on that one but um but yes Weber I was working I mean I was actually working at uh, I joined I joined a firm called Ludgate um but by the time I actually started working there they they had they were part of Weber group and then it, it had become Weber Shandwick so um yeah it was a, it was it was a very long time ago <laughs> no question it was a very long time ago yeah um before I, th- we'll we'll talk more about no this doubt. in the future. Um, no but doubt. I also wanted to uh, slightly overshadow your uh, triumphant return from Davos <laughs> <Triumphant>. <laughs> last yeah. week. Yeah, yeah. How Keep was it. it this year? Um, how was it? Mm-hmm. It was really cold. So it had the coldest single day I've ever had um, in Davos, uh, which is like minus fifteen. Um, but you're probably not asking me about the weather. I mean, I'm, in, I'm interested <laughs> in what it was like for you as a human, yeah. a human being. The, the holistic, the holistic experience. <laughs> the holistic, it was cold. It's uh, um, okay. The interesting thing I think this year was that the official agenda, um, and and you know the the fringe takes its cues largely from the official agenda, was heavily AI. Um, to the extent that if you walked around Davos, you could almost forget that there are, you know, two wars going on. There's trade wars. There's all kinds of geopolitical conflicts. Um, and it seemed a little odd that there was so much focus yeah. on AI and not so much on things like geopolitics. Um, of course, you know, within a day or two, that's all anyone was talking about was was issues around geopolitics. Even when it came to kind of AI and tech, um, a lot of the conversations, I think, became focused on the risks, um, particularly disinformation. Um, and the other really interesting thing, I think, is just the retreat um, of, call it what whatever you want, uh, corporate activism, 
um, mm. brands taking a stand. Uh, that is, is there's definitely a decline. There's, you know, there's the anti-woke movement. There's, um, you know, political backlash. Um, yeah. There's also, I think, it's it's much more difficult now because I think the, the Israel-Hamas situation has made corporates realize, well, actually, this is not an issue on which it's very easy to take a stand because, you know, it's it's so intensely tribal, even amongst their own employees. So um, yes. we did our, our regular roundtable. Um, and I mean, there were some clients there, as people can see from reading the feature, who kind of just welcomed the fact they didn't have to have, you know, a foreign policy anymore. Um, and I think that's a little bit, you know, many of the other clients also, you know, on, on the roundtable said, well, actually, it, it's not going away. There's still so much pressure for us. Um, and in fact, we have a role that we can play um, yeah. in the world. Um, so that, that does worry me a little bit that, you know, corporates will, I, I mean, just take this opportunity maybe to just focus on on just profit making above all else. Um, I don't know if we're going to go back to that, Irene, to I be honest. No, I think it's... I think it's quite clear that the precisely because of geopolitical and political just crap going on everywhere at the moment that it, it, business is I mean you know nod to nod to our friend Rich Edelman it, it's quite clear that business is now the most trusted institution in the yeah. world has been for a while yeah. it is important that they uh, they know it's important it's an, it's an investment. Um, you know, investment critical uh, for them to be doing good in the world and to be good corporate citizens. Mm. And I think the, I think that you know, we did see a lot of that with Russia's invasion of Ukraine. I yeah. think the the nuance around uh, wokery, as it uh, as it's called, and the nuance around um, Israel Hamas is is just given businesses and their leaders pause to think do we do we have to be strident or can we just do we need to be quieter and listen a bit rather than taking action and making statements mm. i think it's it's yeah. it's it's important to stand up for what is right but but i think i think i would welcome a return to a more thoughtful and nuanced conversations yeah. because I, if this is not good guys and bad guys here. This is, you know, there's a there's a lot more going on in those two um, situations I mentioned. So I, I don't know. I don't think it's a bad thing. I don't think we're going to ever go back to a hundred percent profit motive. Yeah. But businesses can only do good in the world if they're making some money, as well as you know, looking at sustainability and you know, do, do business leaders really need to address everything? I think the pressure must be immense at the moment to take a stand but then you can't do that in lots of things without alienating your employees and the rise of employee activism yeah. that we've seen a lot of I think is you know if you're looking after your people and you want to put your arms around all of your people you you can't come out with big strident statements about some things anymore so I don't know if it's a bad thing I think I think quietening down a bit and not having you know, the CEO of Nike making a great pronouncement about something that's happening on the other side of the world is not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, not necessarily. There was a lot of virtue signalling. I think. I think we can. Yes, we so can, much. We, we can don't say. need that. Yeah, there was rampant so, virtue signalling. 
Well, it's um, the moral equivalent of greenwashing, isn't yeah. it? It's like let's not. We don't. That's not what business is for. It's not how it can do most good mm. in the world. Just saying shit. So, um, I, I, yeah. I don't know. I, I think it's it's. I mean, the focus on AI is probably. I mean, that's just like a kind of a welcome distraction from anyone. Yeah, having but to I think that a, a lot of that is just because WEF doesn't really want to get too involved in geopolitics because it you know it, it's it wants people from different countries to turn up and so forth i think the yeah. the issue is the couple of things that do th- i think are, are sort of clear from davos is the the phrase esg is is massively in retreat so people are using sustainability now instead of esg oh, wow. Really I, I don't think that's a bad thing. ESG is, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not entirely sure why people were started using that in the first place. Um, but you know, the, the the I guess the the problem is that a lot of the retreat, particularly in America, is because of the sort of really vociferous right wing politicians. Um, and I just think it would be nice to see corporates have a little bit of backbone. Um, mm. and actually stand up to some of this demagoguery, right? Uh, yeah, well, we're in a weird period politically, aren't we? Because yeah. it's election year in the well, US. Well, that's the thing. So it's kind of fever yeah. pitch. Um, and everyone's kind of aware that it's it's just very risky out there. And not, not just in in the US, right? There's elections coming everywhere, it seems. Oh, <laughs> everywhere except yeah. Hong Kong. Um, but let's not get yes. into that. Um, yeah, it's going to be a very weird year. Um, mm. I think we'll we'll see we'll see how all of this stuff pans out for the comms industry when we get a, get a better idea of the numbers. I guess for our mm-hmm. Global Two Fifty and then the interviews we do with our Influence One Hundred later in the summer, yeah. um, where we get more of a feel for how things are are panning out and what the impact of that is on the role of corporate comms, uh, agency budgets, all of that kind of stuff. But it's certainly not going to be. I mean, every year since twenty twenty, we've gone. Next year will be more normal and calmer. Next year will yeah, be. And it's not. It's not. And there was a thing. Um, there was a thing that I wanted to ju- that's just come to mind actually when I was doing that a headland piece on the uh, introduction of their um, collaborative corporate notion, um, and something that. Um, Something that Dan Smith, the MD at Headland in the UK, said then, he said, we've got another decade ahead of disruption, Great. effectively. And I was just, <laughs> you know, when you just think, again, that whole things will settle down, things, I, I, it's not settling down anytime soon in terms of geopolitics, business, pressures, economy, the march of tech and AI, it's it is going to be a very weird decade. And by the end of that, you and I can retire and just go read books quietly. <laughs> have nothing to do with comms. Yeah. Um or write or write a couple. Um yeah. but uh I think I think we're in for more weirdness and this year isn't going to be no exception. Yeah, I think uh, you're right. I think we're all waiting for a, a normal year. Um yeah. by the time it comes around we'll have forgotten what normal looks like um yes. so this is i suppose the new normal um this kind of level of of uncertainty and 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 technological disruption um you know there's there's wars going on it's it's definitely challenging on many fronts um it's heavy yeah. it's heavy times heavy times but i do think you know like you said business can really be a force for good and i hope i hope comms leaders don't 
don't lose sight of that completely because they have a huge role to play. Yeah, I also hope, and this is something Jim Donaldson said when he, when he accepted his Eco Hall of Fame award that I was delighted to give him before Christmas. It was it was lovely. Um, and he said in his little speech, don't forget with all the heaviness going on, there's a reason why we're in this business and we're not accountants and we're not management consultants and we're not politicians. It's it's okay for comms to be fun as well and to have those moments of levity and yeah. humour um, and, you know, uh, st- just not not to, not to lose sight of the fact that this is pr not er as we always like to say yeah i mean i think i think in any profession you know you kind of need that you should i can't imagine you know you can ever like survive without yeah without some sort of humor about it all um yes well yeah even if it is gallows humor but yep these are heavy times and you know you kind of have to make them make them fun and 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 you kind of have to have happiness you know Wherever, wherever you can find it. Uh, well, I hope everyone at H&K and BCW who are currently sharpening their swords for the uh, incoming Hunger oh Games God. has enjoyed yeah. this podcast. Yes, indeed. Is- <laughs> Please do talk to us if you, if you have anything you'd like to share um, off the record, on background. Please feel free. Yeah always we're always here to listen we do like to get a we we do like to get a pro i mean you know we play a really straight bat of provoke and we will yep. say w- what has been said but also we we do you know our relationships with the industry means that we do like to have and often do have a far bigger picture of what's actually going on which helps to inform future reporting analysis so just give us a shout if there's anything you want to talk about um Arun, thank you very much i'm glad you've warmed up post davos And I will speak to you again soon. You've been listening to the Provoke podcast, brought to you by Provoke Media and produced by the international broadcast specialist, Marketeers. Marketeers.